Hello, and welcome to the Get Better in Chelmsford podcast with your hosts, Richard Brinkley and myself, Tasha Katz. This is the podcast where we talk all about the no-nonsense side of marketing, where we champion Chelmsford-based businesses and entrepreneurs who are testing, learning, and growing, and where we discover that the journey is often more exciting than the destination. In today's episode, we sit down with Zane Chiswell-Rivas, founder of the Essex Spirit Company, Zane Dare to Dream, where perhaps not many of us would. And it all began with getting his nan's garage licensed as a distillery. So let's dive right in. So Zane, uh, welcome to Studio 808. Uh, welcome to the Get Better podcast. Uh, how are you? Very good. Thank you very much. Yeah, very good. Busy. Very busy at the minute. So, yeah. Like a time of year, I would imagine. Very much. Christmas rush. Indeed. So um, I, I, I wasn't very familiar with your story until recently. Yeah, um, I think it's full of inspirational moments that I hope our listeners can tap into. Um, I think there are so many great businesses across Chelmsford, all with a story to tell. I think yours is yours is particularly interesting. Um, and I think perhaps a failing of some of those businesses over the, over the years, or not necessarily the businesses, but of, perhaps of good ideas and so on, is this inability to go to market, uh, or rather maybe a, a fear or confusion around marketing, this big nebulous, daunting task that we're sort of very unsure of that actually we just need to be t- to try rather than be precise with it. So um, I-, I think with that in mind, perhaps you know, as it's a fundamental hat that business owners need to wear, what what has marketing been for you? What does it mean for you? And what's it been for the Essex Spirits Company or, or you personally? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a massive question, isn't it? What, what, what is marketing? Well, it's a good one to start with, yeah, right? Yeah. It's, it's a million, million, yeah, million pound question, it, it, probably in all, in all senses of the word, because, you know, if you can get it right, it really does make or break your business. So uh, I always look at um, actually marketing as part of sales and marketing. And the two are like kind of two sides of a coin to me. Uh, and actually, I would personally say they're the probably key skill that, I mean, it's good for anyone in life, but especially for business owners, it's absolutely key they get it right. And in my opinion, as a business owner, and as you grow, and if you try and grow the business, you know, as kind of profitable enterprise, it should be the last thing you kind of give away or delegate off as well, um, because I think it really is the key to growing your business and pushing it forward. Um, so when I look at it, and when I say sales and marketing in terms of two sides of one coin, um, it's because for me, sales is obviously, it's, it's pretty obvious what sales is, it's getting out there, getting on the road door knocking, picking up the phone, however it works your business, it varies. Um, it's really kind of pushing yourself out there, pushing your business out there, you know, literally selling, selling it to people is losing the name. Um, marketing on the other side is what you put out there and how you build your brand to pull customers towards yourself. Um, so whereas sales can be, you know, quite tough. We all know, obviously the, the old school kind of rep of having a salesperson out there on the road you know kind of like i said beating down doors they have a, they have a poor type the <laughs> reputation of those guys right i mean it's <laughs> yeah. so not always the best reputation as well um marketing on the other hand is you know the kind of almost the sexy side of it you know it's like the your nike your shoe dog millionaire stuff like that it's how you build your brand uh, and really kind of how you almost cast a net out there for your business to pull people towards yourself um now within that i would say marketing has got so much more complex you know in the last whatever you want to say 10 20 30 years because you know back in the day you just had the newspaper the radio the tv it was pretty straightforward going to markets and stuff yeah, obviously talk, uh, old audiences obviously talking to you now yeah, clearly. <laughs> yeah exactly yeah, especially the newspaper these days can be um you know old school things like flyering um these days it's so varied you've got 
podcasts like we're doing now, um, adverts between podcasts, um, influencer marketing, um, you know, social media, targeted social media. So it really is all encompassing marketing and it can be a bit of everything, but yeah, in essence, it's what you put out there to draw people towards your business for sure. me. And you talk about building a brand, yeah. talk about the Eric Essex Spirits company then and perhaps what you've done to build that brand or, or what, what, what is a brand? I mean, like, how, do, how do we even define the, the that? Second yeah. million dollar question, yeah. Yeah, exactly the same. So I'm giving it all away today. Um, no, I mean, again, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a great question. What is a brand? For, for me, the brand is the values that you put out there and the values that you manage to communicate to your customers. Um, so for us, it was very simple. When I started the business, I looked at what, to me, would make a, a fantastic small local business, basically. Um, and that was being quality being local and being sustainable. Those are our three key values that we started with and they still are, still are our three key values today. Um, and we, we try and put that out there. We, we try and basically every decision we make as a company, we put those three key values to the test. So is it quality? Is it local? And is it sustainable? Uh, and I, I always say it's got, it's got to tick at least one of those three boxes, ideally all three boxes, obviously, when we make a decision. Um, and we're so proud of those values. You know, they're embossed on the top of our bottles. Um, so we try and put that forward. Um, and for me, it has it has resonated. You know, whenever we get people come to our distillery and they talk to us, you know, it's oh, so fantastic that you use local businesses in your supply chain, you you know, hire through local schemes, etc. Um, so, yeah, yeah. For, for, for me, the brand is all about just building your values and having a strong base. I think you see a lot of companies, they go away from their original ideologies or the original values and that's quite often when they can falter to two questions i guess same from there is um one when you talk about setting up a business and you talk about brand and you talk about values to to make that authentic how many of those values are your values versus what the business has adopted well i think probably for you know entrepreneurs businesses especially where the owner's still very close to the start of the business they probably are one and the same so those those literally are the things that i'm passionate about you know i've always been um very very passionate about essex as a county for instance i think essex gets some stereotypes thrown its way oh yes we do <laughs> yeah. yeah sometimes fair sometimes unfair you know? um but you know really when you look at it that's a lot of those stereotypes are kind of you know the more kind of southwest londony part of essex and down to certain tv shows um but uh but in, in all seriousness when you look at essex as a county it's massive it's one of the biggest counties in the uk it's beautiful lots of beautiful countryside uh, you know we've got constable country up in the north of essex um but <clears throat> more than that we've got world famous food producers drink producers um, we're actually getting some of the best climate for making wines now uh, you know we've got mold and sea salt wilkins and sun jams people like that and i've always been massively passionate about that so i guess when i started this company it was all about putting those values kind of distilling those excuse the pun distilling those values down and putting them into this company so yeah yeah no as many puns as you like <laughs> so uh, i i guess in the other sort of follow-on question where you talk about and you've kind of touched it on it there is tapping into the local community so has that been a big part of the journey and why you think you've been successful yeah i mean I, we wouldn't, wouldn't <laughs> we wouldn't be anywhere without the local community i guess um obviously when we started we were literally just an Essex-based company. We do have a few, obviously Suffolk and London and national customers now, but we still are 80, 90% just to Essex-based businesses. So it really was about harnessing that local community and getting people to buy into it. Um, and touching back on the earlier point about marketing and how difficult marketing is now, because there's so many different 
variations and verticals to it um you know the good old-fashioned word of mouth marketing yeah. it, within the community has just been absolutely key um you know people just popping into the distillery and then telling their friends did you know this is there um probably similar to the way you guys found out about us for the podcast actually you know just by somebody telling you oh we've worked with them before so yeah absolutely i think you know that as we said there's there's thousands of great companies in chelmsford and and indeed essex as you say um I think one of the challenges, therefore, is marketing because we didn't find out about you until we were looking to find you yeah. in that respect. So, again, testament for showing up when we did, but we hadn't heard about you per se before those things. So, it, it's an it's an interesting journey, and perhaps with that in mind, then let, let's let's go all the way back. Yeah, because you, I mean, you kind of you dive straight into like the community, the marketing, what's the, your values, and building that brand. I'm I'm quite intrigued to to know how the business actually started because I think you've got quite an interesting story. Yeah, so we've, we've been going for just over three years now, and probably part of the reason you won't have heard of us uh, was because originally we were a little bit kind of secret squirrel about <laughs> about where we started. Um, so I'll take you all the way back to the the very beginning. So my personal background is I'm from Chelmsford obviously um, and I started working in the hospitality hospitality sorry uh, put my teeth in hospitality industry when I was about 15 um, so I've worked in the industry for about 15 years started off at a place called Pontlands Park in Great Baddow <coughs> which we know it yeah I know yep know it great just you know serving weddings and stuff like that in the summer and then worked in the local restaurant washing dishes and stuff like that and then as soon as I was 18 I was really drawn towards working behind the bar probably just because that's where the alcohol was. Yeah, yeah. It was fun, yeah. And for some reason, I was just always really into cocktails. I used to watch people make, like, making cocktails on YouTube and stuff like that. Um, and so I was really into cocktails. So I got my kind of first proper bar job was at a bar called Barouche on the high street. Yeah, so we know that one, one too. Might, well, yeah. it's, the, it's the boot maker now. Um, they were part of kind of a bigger brewery who are fantastic, like took me through all the kind of management training and stuff like that. Um, so I worked for them also in Cambridge for a couple of years. Uh, and then I moved to the big lights of London and worked in kind of really, really high end fancy cocktail bars in London, basically for kind of eight, nine years. Um, fast forward a bit, uh, kind of my career obviously progressed and progressed in hospitality, um, moved back to Essex eventually, but I was working for um, the UK's biggest pub company, a pub company called Stonegate. I think you might've heard of them. If you haven't, it's fine. It's because all of their, their pubs are branded. So in Chelmsford, they own Beer at One, Walkabout, Slug and Lettuce, Pop World, golden fleece <laughs> there was a there was a particular look on your face as you said pop world oh, well, is, it, is that a <laughs> favorite been, no i haven't been i haven't been um no that was my favorite cocktail i need to do um no but uh, so yeah my job for them was called a menu development manager which doesn't found doesn't sound sorry particularly uh sexy but um essentially my job was like slug and lettuce or pop world <laughs> would come to me and say you know we need 10 new cocktails for the summer can, can you invent them and obviously that was my job, so I had to say yes. Um, but you, as you can imagine, in that kind of job role, hundreds of people who are bringing you their brand of vodka, their brand of gin, their brand of you know whatever tequila, etc. So in my time, I've tried probably literally hundreds of vodkas, gins, tequilas, etc. Um, and with, with with that hand in hand, I do actually have qualifications in spirits as well, unbelievably. <laughs> One A level, but qualifications in spirits. Um, and uh, so yeah. Obviously, fast forward a little bit after that into into COVID, same as everyone else in the first lockdown, I was sitting there on furlough, incredibly bored. Obviously, some people got into running marathons and fitness. And making banana bread. Banana bread, yeah, that's always the <laughs> one. Yeah, banana bread. Buying, <laughs> buying toilet rolls yeah, and all the yeah, other yeah, 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 panic buying, uh, house plants, yeah, what else would people get into? So, so just, just before that point, so at, at that point to that, to that point in time, you've got a passion yep. which you've pursued 
and been lucky enough to kind of work with and then a career spanning 15, 15 plus years at that point of acquired knowledge so then we're sat at home in covid <laughs> what yeah. do i do with that <laughs> exactly yeah what do i do yeah but yeah just bored same as everyone else uh, after obviously we got new, through the uh, initial bit of um zoom lockdown quizzes and everything else um i set myself a, a challenge basically because i was bored and you know with all my passions and as i said because i've tried so many vodkas and gins and rums i thought you know how hard can it be i can give i can give this a go you know why not um so yeah i set myself a challenge which was to see if i could get my grand's garage licensed as a distillery which I did ask her permission first. <laughs> it was okay. I did. I did ask her, um, and she said she was mad enough to say yes. To be fair to her, yeah, we'll, we'll need um, to we'll need to check that before yeah, we can go out. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So she was mad enough to say yes, and the answer is yes. You can get your grand's garage license as a distillery. It turns yeah. out. Um, so yeah, it was our first distillery was in Great Baddo, um, where I grew up, and um, it was a single car garage, so not not much bigger than this um, podcast. Uh, just wait, sorry. Yes, you can do it, but I mean. What email or phone call do you make? And what is the reaction of the person on the end of that to kind of go, yeah, okay, what? <laughs> it's uh, it's surprisingly, I don't want to say easy. I'm going to get in trouble with uh, HMRC now. Um, it's surprisingly, actually, the, the licenses to get from um, HMRC are, are probably some of the easiest. Obviously, there's a lot of paperwork and due diligence and like floor plans and risk assessments you've got to do so it was a like a lot of that but obviously i was on furlough so actually time was on my on my side um but a lot of that's obviously by email etc um the hardest one to get is the premises license from the local council <laughs> you have to send loads of stuff off obviously for that um but no people are surprisingly relaxed about it so um i mean yeah i did a lot of paper i, I probably am making light of it i did, had to do a lot of work for it but um and was that so like you said covid boredom sitting getting zoom fatigue and everything when you kind of went for it and said right i'm going to send that email or whatever that looked like <laughs> dear mr person at council <laughs> um was it something that you went into thinking oh i can make i want to make this a business or was it more like oh you know i've got time on my hands i i i've got all this experience i'd like to try my own hand at trying making some you know vodka yeah. or gin or rum for family and friends so somebody asked me this the other day and i hadn't really thought about it too much until, until <laughs> the other day i guess the the best case scenario, the best and worst case, it's kind of a flip of both. So the worst case scenario for me personally, obviously, I was like, I might get made redundant, which is what happened eventually. Uh, and actually, funny, funny little sidebar, the amount of redundancy money I got from my nice job before was the exact amount of money it cost us to buy our first distillation machine. Oh, wow. So you can imagine how thrilled my partner yeah. was when I told her I was doing that. Um, not, not even a little bit left over yeah. for a holiday <laughs> or exactly. anything. Yeah. Not even, yeah. Um, so yeah, I knew the worst case for me personally was I get made redundant. So I was like, oh, maybe this could be a good backup plan. But also, I, I guess you, as you remember at the time, no one knew what the world might yeah. look like. You know, I, I think it's a it's a wonderful thing because there's there's a lot of adversity right mm. in the world, a lot, and so many good and successful stories come out of those times. So I think often, you know, certainly as business owners, entrepreneurs, or if you're thinking about that startup actually yeah. sometimes that adverse event can be the catalyst like yours actually yeah. proved to be i had time made redundant yeah. but didn't but had some fire within me to create something yeah. as ultimately achieve this yeah so i guess it's something to not always fear yeah exactly it's, it's, it literally is the definition of every cloud you know try trying to make the most most of every situation um 
and yeah, that, that was I guess. And then like, yeah, on the flip side, of the the best the best case scenario for me was obviously the world goes back to normal. I'll go back to my job, and it's I guess what the kids would call a side hustle these days. You know, it was, it was in my grand's garage at the end of the day. Completely renovated it with a friend's help by hand. Um, you know, it was just a garage full of old spiders. <laughs> just went down, made it all food safe. Uh, and um, and I was like, yeah, best case scenario, I just distill some bottles of gin at the weekends and sell it to. Have some nice whoever. Christmas presents and yeah, exactly yeah. nice Christmas presents. And I was like, you know, who knows? Um, so yeah, at the time I just knew I had an idea and I had the time to execute it. So yeah, I guess as you say, maybe every cloud and um And what do you think? Because I know um I mean I think you've already touched on it a little bit talking about um one of those values being local. Mm-hmm. Um and obviously based in Chelmsford and we've got kind of, you know, Wilkinson's and Sons and um uh, you've mentioned a few I can't even yeah, yeah. you all know best, better than I do but what did uh, I think it's kind of two parts to it is what was the gap in the market because like you said mm-hmm. there's hundreds if not thousands of suppliers just even within like the kind of south of, of England like and then there's all the big big name brands of all these alcohols and spirits what gap were you trying to fill if there was a gap um and then also I guess how are you influenced by by that kind of aspect of being local yeah so i guess so when i looked at kind of when i did the business plan for the business originally um the kind of what you call obviously the white space for a business which is like where you would plot your business in terms of like quality premiumization against other competitors in the industry was um as you mentioned as i mentioned earlier you've got all these fantastic food producers right so mold and sea salt wilkins and sun jams um mersey oysters like the best in the world loads of fantastic local breweries that we actually work with loads of wineries and up-and-coming wineries and i just felt there wasn't a distillery for us to be proud of so i was like i know we've got lots of people in essex quite a lot of them have got a bit of money as well luckily um so we've got lots of people we've got lots of great brands already some of which are already internationally famous so there is a bit of a want for that kind of around the world but there's not a distillery for us to be proud of you know why is that um Actually, funnily enough, Gordon's used to be distilled in Essex funnily, back in the day. Yeah, if you go to Basildon, the industrial parks are called like Juniper Way and stuff like that. Um, and there used to be a, a, a gin brand uh, based in, in Whittam as well. Uh, but they've moved to southwest London now. Um, so I, I knew there was a, a kind of a demand there for it, at least. Um, and then in terms of where I plotted us, you know, if you look at those kind of world famous brands, they're all premium, obviously. So I was like, oh, I want this to be a premium brand. Um, but what I'd found with a lot of the other southeast distillers that are based, you know, London or Suffolk or wherever, um, was that they focused on gin mainly. So a lot of them are gin companies. Um, and now I'm really passionate about all spirits. <laughs> Probably tells you more about me. Than, uh, but um, so yeah, I love I love vodkas, gins, rums, tequila is actually my favourite. Um, but uh, so I was really passionate about us being Essex Spirits Co. and not Essex Gin Co. Because um, I wanted us to be able to represent the best of the local supply chain um, through all of our spirits. Basically, I didn't want it to just just be one or two gins and for us to limit ourselves basically and every time we create a new product we always like i said try and have that quality local and sustainable element um but particularly in the local every single product we do has well i mean all the products are made with essex spring water as the base so mm. that's, a, that's a good start but yeah they all use local elements in there and making that decision at that point to go for a varied range has that ultimately helped you out with opening doors and being able to have conversations rather than being really tucked away in a small niche yeah yeah absolutely massively 
think one, one of our first ever accounts was actually the um the lion inn in boreham which might, like most people in essex will be familiar with obviously um and we originally got in there it was like when we, it, it was when i we did just have a gin at the time because it was the only thing i'd invented for us <laughs> you walked in with that gin uh, yeah pretty much <laughs> I, I, I was lucky I, I, knew, I knew the bar manager there a bit so i was a bit a bit lucky um but uh, they were like, oh, yeah, we're really interested in stocking it. And I'm like, oh, do you have a vodka as well? I was like, not yet, but I can do one for you. And that's some of the products have actually evolved that way just by seeing where the demand is and then filling that demand. You know, obviously, we don't just come up with an average product. We make sure they fit all the values at the same time. But, yeah, sometimes somebody just says, do you do this? And we go. Yeah, why not? <laughs> I mean, I think I, a load of businesses work that way, especially kind of when you're in that fast growth stage, right? It's um, we have this certain offering or we have this product and then somebody comes along and they love it and they're like, can you do this? And you have to just on your, you know, on your feet kind of commit to that and say, well, yeah, this is the next step to growing. Let's do it. And that, I feel that that's quite exciting, but that can also be really challenging, right? And I think one of the questions I had for you, Zen, was and probably a little bit of a tricky one is, because, but everybody has this, Tell me about a time that perhaps you kind of came across a challenge and maybe things didn't work out quite exactly how you'd imagine them or or how did you overcome that? Uh, every week, basically. <laughs> um, there's, there's so many challenges starting a business. It's just, it's just yeah, completely varied from, I mean, cash flow is obviously the biggest one there that everyone faces, which I could bore you with a million times. You know, we have those kind of problems. Um, I'm, trying, I'm trying to think of some of the worst worst challenges we've had. I mean, that's a good thing, right? If you have to think about it. it. Well, so a really good example is actually, so we've got people so we're on an audio format, so I'm going to point towards our, our bottles that we've got here, but people can go to the website and have a look at them. Um, so actually a really interesting one thing was, we've spoken quite a lot about COVID, but obviously we were also at that, um, when we started was that transition period for Brexit as well. So obviously it was post-Brexit, but I don't know if everyone remembers, it was before the borders were not closed, but before the paperwork for bringing stuff in and out came, came out. So um the the beautiful bottle we now have is actually the third or fourth bottle we've gone through as a company which is like that's actually a big thing for a spirit brand like usually you have you know if you go in the supermarket every spirit brand has their bottle right it very rarely changes like gordon smirnoff tanqueray etc um and basically the supply chains due to brexit and covid all got stretched so we were having like glass suppliers like run out of bottles and then the but every time I'd contact them, the cost of the bottle had doubled and then it had doubled again. And then, um, so yeah, I mean, probably going back to what you were talking about a minute ago about being adaptable and being able to overcome things. There's a saying in business, which I think it's, uh, if you don't in innovate, you evaporate. So we've just had to, you know, whenever we've come up with a supply chain issue or a price increase issue, or most recently the duty increase from the, from the lovely government, um, you know, it's, it's just been about, for, for me, it's been about scenario planning. Basically, you know, I just sit down Honestly, with a pen and paper, most of the time, not old school, and just think, right, okay, if this, ha if a, if X happens, do we do Y? If Y happens, what are the out potential outcomes from that? And usually, I go down the worst case <laughs> scenario first, which ends up with me going bankrupt at the end. Um, but then that really well, hasn't happened yet. Um, and then usually, you know, it falls somewhere in the middle. And you just try and plan the best you can. So, do you find with all the stresses of running a business and all those sort of higher cortisol levels sort of coming to coming to the fore, do you find that that's a good coping mechanism? Writing things down, creating the scenarios, thinking them through. Because I think a lot of people say that that's actually one way to lower your stress levels so is that is that something you've learned over the years or you've had to adapt 
for now yeah i mean it's, it's massive for, for me and like getting out of your like environments is very helpful obviously as a, a business owner i'd imagine most people are either at home or at work and there's very other little things so you know little things you know like if you've got the patience to meditate is great but you know even just going out i'm not saying you have to meditate but it's classic entrepreneur thing isn't it get meditate and get a nice bath um, <laughs> no but you know I, I play rugby as well and you know just those two hours a week where you're out doing something you're not thinking about other things yeah. really helps but yeah if you can get out of your environment and sit in a you know, coffee shop somewhere even with a pen and a piece of paper it doesn't have to be i'm sure people can go on an ipad if they want but just anything to break those thought loops that you can get so i think you can very easily get stuck in a downward spiral of thinking oh god this is happening and the world's going to cave in which don't get me wrong i, I do as well but then you've got to try and get out of that definitely and uh, and and just because you mentioned the bottles and people can't see them so we'll have to definitely we're post to about photos, them but yeah. they are beautiful not not just the the labeling and the the bottle tops as you mentioned as well but the actual bottles themselves i guess that that putting that way way back to the start of the conversation that that's part of the brand too right the mm. the, the, the image of it, yeah right? the the shape of the bottle and i mean i i i drink a fair amount of whiskey and started in lockdown weirdly around the same time <laughs> that you just started this i mean i put two and two together if you will um i was buying whiskey exclusively on the bottle design yeah, yeah. so I, I it's something again that you have to use we talk about brand we talk about logos talk mm. about your values but there is an aesthetic to some of this too right if it's if it's stocked on a shelf yeah 100 people buy with their eyes majority you know, probably 80 percent of people buy with their eyes first and foremost um and then it's about you know how good the liquid is afterwards right if you're going to rebuy it most of the time and yeah, I mean, hopefully now we're at a point I'm pretty happy with the brand. We're probably going to do a few little redesigns on the label and stuff like that. But um, yeah, it's, it's probably, like I said, it's probably about 80% of the, the battle is the bottle. <laughs> and uh, yeah, getting people to, to yeah, look, in, look in with their eyes. And I just, want to, I just want to pick up on something you said, and I let go five minutes ago about um, you flippantly said you got lucky. Um, and I think there's a lot of people's stories where they would perceive they were lucky or from the outside, you go, oh, he got lucky. Is that a thing? Because I, 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 like, I'm, I'm very much of the opinion that you've got to make your own luck. And the fact that you, now, unless you tell me, you know, that actually you just randomly walked, you know, you bumped into this guy and you forged a relationship, maybe that was yeah. lucky. But perhaps you knew him from the 15 years of hard graft before this. Mm. Perhaps you knew him from school or rugby or whatever those. But is it luck? Yeah, so actually, I, I'm going to probably like give you two answers now, which are going to massively contradict themselves. I'm a huge believer in luck in in business, and you look at so many stories, like you say, the like, majority of people are, oh, I got lucky. I got this one big account, I did that. But the truth is, then you're exactly right on what you just alluded to, which is, again, there's a saying that will get completely wrong, which is like luck is, you know, putting yourself in the right place at the right time. So, yeah, it would, none of it would have happened if I'd have started the business in the first place. And exactly that, the bar manager at the Lion Inn was a, was a friend from from having worked in the industry so yes luck but yes also i have created hopefully created some well, of that luck along the way i think i think the point being and i think this is this is an interesting one when it comes from like when we talk about marketing is that people create businesses and then they create a brand and forget about the inherent value of the person powering the brand or powering the business the entrepreneur behind it and perhaps sometimes forget about the thousands of people or the hundreds of people that they've influenced met or know and it's a powerful thing that sort of first and second degree network of mm. family 
friends you know your close mates your mates of mates and i think sometimes but may, maybe as brits we're worse oh, that yeah, we don't that. ask you're like i've got this wonderful new drink could you introduce a friend to it or could you set me up with this person or that person and i think that's a, perhaps an undervalued skill maybe as an entrepreneur and yeah. sounds like you've probably done a better job are, are you naturally more confident or are you an introvert? Has this has that been hard? Yeah, I, again, I'm probably giving, <laughs> contradict myself in my own answer here. So actually, the, the way the company started was almost what you've just described. So we actually pre like obviously because I kind of bootstrapped the company. We only had enough money to make distill and make a hundred bottles of gin. So we basically pre-sold the hundred bottles before we like finished getting our licenses through. So like we knew we were going to get the licenses, but we set up the social media, set up the website and took the pre-orders up until yeah. so f to go out on the date that we, we started it. And obviously of that first hundred bottles, probably 70 of them were my mates. <laughs> um, but then equally, I'm very bad at doing what you just described, which is what I should probably do is go out there and be like, oh, could you just push it to one friend, one other person, etc." Um, because I do quite enjoy going out and getting new, new customers and introducing the brand to as many new people as possible. Um, but I think you're, you're, you know, you're spot on. You should leverage that personal connection as, as much as you've got. Um, but equally, having said that, I, I like to think I'm an outgoing person. Like I said, obviously play a lot of rugby and stuff like that. Um, and the, the amount of times the rugby boys have all bought a few, a few bottles has definitely helped us out. Um, so it's okay to walk in the change rooms with a bottle of vodka or gin and it's been known to happen a few times actually yeah we do actually we do used to do i need to bring it back we used to do something called the gin box which i'd just taken a big wheelie cooler full of gin and mixers and just wheel it in if we'd won afterwards so yeah um yeah it's happened a few times and and going back to the line in so you've you've pulled on that thread yeah. you've got through the door you get that first order what does what does that feel like and going back to, to tash said when does it when when's the business a business yeah. is is that, that moment yeah is that the is that your moment i'm probably going to give you the most underwhelming answer you're going to have for this question well, can, i can rephrase so, the question so if you, you want you, no, you, no, no, you can ask, you can ask my partner she'll tell you i'm the least sentimental person in the world and i'm probably my own worst enemy at this so i'll never look back positively on stuff that i've not that I won't look back, back positively. I'm very happy all those things happen, definitely. But I am very much next job. What are we doing next? What are we doing next? And if you ask me if I'm happy where we are now, three years on, you know, having grown to four or five staff members, X amount of turnover, etc., I just tell you I'm just looking at the next year, um, which is probably my biggest strength, my biggest weakness. I don't know. I should look back. Um, but I am the least sentimental person. So probably at the time I was just thinking, well, where's the next water coming from how do we how do we grow it <laughs> you need that hunger though well, right I was say, like that feels right right for for if you if you want to grow your business you have to have that ambition and it's got to be okay we've done this this is brilliant like let's see what we can do next and perhaps when you say you're not the most you're not sentimental in the least bit it's probably that you are yes you are celebrating those moments but yes it's what is next i want to continue this success i want to grow that um and i wonder if that's that's a it's it's marketing as well right because marketing is always changing and it comes back to that adaptability like you said it's how can we push this out in a different way what can we do and actually i wanted to come back we keep going back there's lots of yeah. there's loads of things to come back to but how 
where are you kind of selling most? Because I, we, you've got your website, you've got your shop on your website, but I know that you've also kind of got on a few other different websites, like a, a couple of other directories. Or is it very much you've got the shop, but it's a lot of word of mouth, it's a lot of referrals. How how are you pushing it out there? Yes, we we are eighty um, percent B two B. So we are actually probably, probably more, maybe ninety. Let's look at the numbers again. Um, we yeah, we're eighty percent B two B, so we mainly sell to to bars, restaurants, pubs farm shops etc like i said around the southeast um that 20 obviously going through the online store and stuff as you mentioned is good but go again going, going back again keep going back back to the kind of marketing question it's where i've found it the hardest to really compete uh, is in the online space because of um the marketing spend that the big, the big boys have essentially in the drinks industry i'm sure you, yourselves won't be aware and many listeners won't be aware as with many industries, there's three or four big companies that just dominate the space. So there's a big one, especially called Diageo, who own Smirnoff, Gordon's, Tanqueray, Captain Morgan's, Guinness. But not the Essex Spirit. No, no. no not, I mean, if anyone's listening and they want to, um, the uh, yeah, so they they I think their turnover in the UK alone was billions last mm. year. So you know, if they want to have the keyword gin when you search on Google. They will have the keyword yeah. yeah. So you know what that means as an entrepreneur. You know that's a battle you can never win. So you have to be a lot more clever uh, and a lot more kind of you know a lot more decided, a lot more. I can't think of my words now. Yeah, a lot more clever basically about how you're going to market your business and how you're going to get. Is it below the line marketing you do? If, for instance, one of the one of the things that we found fantastic recently has been flyering the local area. You know, <laughs> just doing a really good flyer and dropping off through people's doors. Well, just it, making yourselves known, like we yeah. said earlier, and we weren't really aware of of you guys yeah, yeah. before we kind of looked into it. So yeah, yeah exactly. So um, so yeah, it, that's, that's you know some of the best way we found to get ourselves out there recently. Yeah, and. Nan's Garage. Yeah. <laughs> what's what's Nan's Garage today? It's full of spiders again, actually. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's full of yeah old. Uh, it's a motorbike in there actually at the minute, uh, and uh, yeah, and just old furniture and spiders. So no lo- no longer licensed. Uh, no, 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 no. Yeah, we've yeah, relinquished all the licenses actually. Um, I'm I'm petitioning to get one of those little blue packs put up there. You know, Love little, that little circular blue packs. Yeah, uh, saying yeah, Plus the historical tour Essex, of chances. Yeah, Essex experience goes here. Um, but in all seriousness, that's why for the kind of first 18 months, we weren't very loud about where we were because we literally, the council were like, you're not allowed any public people on site. So, you know, we were like, we, we didn't have it on Google or anything where we were, which kind of hurt us a little bit for the first 18 months. But uh, yeah, it's, and just, it's just a garage. So, so <laughs> Nan was quite accepting of the concept. What, what do you think now? Uh, I don't know what she thinks, actually. That's a good... I don't speak to her anymore. No, I do speak to her. Um, <laughs> uh, no, um, she... I'd probably, to be honest with you, get the uh, old, not very sentimental thing from her. So, um, okay. so uh, she's probably the hardest working person I know. She's in her eighties and still she was chairman of the parish council That's last so. year and stuff like that. Yeah, so she's still going. She was chairman of a charity that was based actually just over there. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I should sit down and speak to her one day about it, but I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> was she quite a tremendous support? in that initial you mentioned your partner too uh, what what's the network around you that's been able to enable you to do what you because it's still a gamble even today i guess yeah. it's still a gamble right is there's a there's a network behind you supporting yeah. you does everyone need that cheerleader yeah i guess so um yeah i mean my well, grand obviously massively helped out we wouldn't be here today without her um 
I think she definitely got sick of boxes overtaking your house eventually. <laughs> uh, my partner's a midwife as well, so she works quite a lot. So both we're both very busy. Uh, my dad, my dad's a massive help. He, he actually does deliveries for us. He's one of our kind of part-time employees. Um, so yeah, he's a, he's a massive help. But yeah, I mean, I think having, I'd say more than people that kind of immediately help you with the business, the more important thing as a business owner is your kind of immediate circle of, of friends. So, you know, they say you end up, you know, where your five closest friends are, don't they? Yeah. Um, so having probably actually people that you can get out of your business with, if that makes sense, is probably of more help. So, you know, having driven people around you that aren't on top of you in the business is probably more important than having those people that are actually helping you out in the business because you can always hire people, in my experience, to help you do, <laughs> help you do the actual jobs, you know? Yeah. yeah. Indeed. And um, where, where could, uh, where, with 90% B2B, where, where can I drink in Chelmsford? Yeah, so there's a few places. Whenever people ask me this question, my brain always goes blank, which is which is a nightmare, which is mad because we literally <laughs> deal, I deal with the orders. Well, that, well, you've, every you've, you've sold it and moved on. That's what you've told me. Yeah, you've exactly, like, done yeah, that one. Next, next yeah, next, 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 next job, next job. Uh, I have to try and think about it. Kind of like, for, well, the first thing to say is we've got a tap room in the distillery, which is open on Saturdays, twelve till. Get six. the plugs out now. Go on. Yeah, so yeah, you can see, pop up, pop up any Saturday, twelve till six. We're on the Waterhouse Business Centre, which is uh, for people from Chelmsford, just off Waterhouse Lane, so where home base used to be. Just turn in there. Um, it's actually quite well hidden. There's a fantastic Italian deli on the estate as well. So <laughs> pop in there. Um, so yeah, that's where I vote popping into twelve till six. Um, we do a great scheme as well, actually, where you can come refill your bottles once you've bought them. So and you save save about seven. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, save seven pounds every time you refill your bottle, which is great. Uh, but other than that, going here we go. I'm going to have to try and think about all the places in Chelsea. You carry a list with you. Yeah, well, <laughs> actually, I mean, it's pop world one. I mean, I've not no, been. But... No, that's the thing. Actually, getting into the bigger places is is, is often harder. But um, you know, the places you can go. Uh, so the United Brethren just off Molsham Street okay New London yeah, that. yeah. Um, I'm trying to think where in, the, where in the high street now I'm going to have to get, you, can, you know what you can, you can go on the website which is be a good place to go <laughs> well, what, what's and the there website is a, and there is a list of stockists uh, we're really easy to find the website is essexspiritsco.com and then uh, we're essexspiritsco and everything else as well so at essexspiritsco on Instagram yeah really easy to find if you ever want to message me it all comes through to me as well so <laughs> just yeah. drop us a message on there Yeah, well, we're excited to try some of these lovely spirits yeah. I'm just I, I, like I said the aesthetic of the bottles i kind of don't want to open the seal but yeah, yeah. i mean <laughs> well zane thank you honestly so much for coming on the podcast it's been a real pleasure um it's been amazing hearing all about your stories all about the business and loads of nuggets of kind of great advice in there for any people you know current business owners or aspiring business owners um yeah i think our listeners are going to really enjoy well, I, I think you've just got to do it right that's that's what we're saying just get out and do yeah, it and get there and do it don't be afraid to fail you will fail I still fail every day. But yeah, I just learn. But you're still smiling. Smile through the pain. Yeah, still smile through the pain. Thank you, Zane. Thank Cheers. You. Thank you very much. You've been listening to the Get Better in Chelmsford podcast with your hosts, Richard Brinkley and Tasha Katz. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to like and subscribe. And remember, you can tune into the full series wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks for listening. <laughs>